as uh, we begin the new year, uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, you really put it on our hearts, Lord, that we are second and that you are first. Amen. Lord, you've blessed us in so many ways through the years, through 2013, and you have such great plans for us going ahead in 2014, Lord. We're so excited to see how you will use us in advancing your kingdom, seeing souls saved, and seeing everyone stay close to you, Lord. I pray uh, in this lesson, Lord, just really use Steve in a powerful way. Help us to really understand what it means to be second, uh, what it means for us to be second, Lord, and putting you first as Lord in our lives. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we uh, continue to move along here, great to be with just the men. Amen. Uh, I think there's a couple things in here today that uh, you'll, you'll probably enjoy, but I don't know about you, I love the Old Testament. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of that today, not a whole lot, but in particular, this, you know, men were men. I mean, you had the battles, there were opposition, there was a means of dealing with it. Usually it was a matter of breaking out a sword or something of that nature, but... And I think in society today, that's why there are some of the issues that, they, that we have. Um, there isn't the same means of expression for men. Uh, if there are, generally it can get you in trouble. But, uh, you know, we want to be conquerors. We want to go out and take them out. We want to, you know, rescue the damsel in distress and all that good stuff. But, you know, I think if we, we've got the proper mindset with this, and we really believe that God is first and that we're second, there's a spiritual battle that we can engage on. Uh, on so many different fronts, it really glorifies God. Just kind of starting out here, these are some c- concepts that I think are great for us as men to embrace. Uh, if we have this as kind of a collective part of our toolbox, it will really give us the ability to do what we need to do moving forward on all the various fronts in our lives, whether it's on the home front, the workplace, out in public, uh, working with our kids at the schools, whatever it may be. It really gives us the opportunity to be what God has called us to be. And um, we're going to go ahead and start out just walking with God. Micah 6, verse 8. You don't need to turn there. We don't have the time. Unless you're, uh, well, I guess actually today with the electronics, it probably be every bit as simple for you guys to find that as Matthew. But anyway, Micah 6, verse 8. I've got it on the screen here, too. Mankind, he has told you what is good. And what it is the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly before your God. Uh Uh-oh, there's a woman. She's always spying on me, man. Bye, babe. You know, and and this is, obviously, it's an Old Testament passage. I think it kind of delineates for us in some ways a little, it gives us a little bit of deeper insight into uh, what we see in Matthew 22. I mean, when it comes to understanding that God is awesome and the greatest command is to love God and to love your neighbor, there, there's some concepts here that are important, you know, to act justly in a world that is unjust. You know, I, I would imagine you guys, you know, I've been on both sides of the fence, secular, non-secular. Uh, it was almost a commonplace daily in the workplace. And it's a much higher calling not to step into that tit for tat, reciprocation, revenge, those types of things. 
to love faithfulness. That, that's something that, that's got to be something that's enduring to us, something that we embrace when it comes to God, knowing that we love God more than anything. It's amazing how that flows into the other aspect of our lives, which gives us the ability to have such incredible impact in our marriages, with our kids, with our neighbors, wherever it is that we are. But really the key to all that is for us to be second, for me to be second, for you to be second, is we need to walk humbly with God. You know, walking with God, this is where it starts, and a lot of it ties in with just that acknowledgement that we've talked about here earlier today. It talks about, it gets down to really our being submissive to God and God's directive. And the thing that I love about the Bible is the examples of men that we have in the Bible. We need to look at those great examples, which... I would imagine each and every one of us here, when we think through this, we would be more than proud to imitate. And for me, what comes to mind is the roll call of the faithful in Hebrews 11, verse 32. Hebrews 11, verse 32 reads, And what more shall I say? Oops, I'm going to start my timer here. We'll go ahead and subtract five minutes from it. For those of you that are uh, time-sensitive, I know some of you guys are hungry. I, I saw those trucks, man. I'm ready to go. But again, Hebrews 11, verse 32, it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. I mean, that, that whole conquering thing is incredible, and that as men, it's what we're wired to do. Right. Something we want to go after. You know, administering justice. Gaining what was promised. I mean, there's so many victories out there for us on so many fronts as men. Again, if we're excellent for Christ in the workplace, there's victories to be had. If we're excellent for Christ in the home, there's victories to be had. If we're excellent for Christ in the relationships we have with each and every one of us here, there are victories to be had. And this is what we can see in these men. Those who gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames... I mean, I love the whole Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, man, as they step into that oven, and even the interaction they had with the king before they did it. And we know God that will rescue us, but whether he does or not, doesn't matter. We're going to stand faithful. And then seeing that deliverance take place because of that faith. Those who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses were turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. I mean, you got Gideon, you know, the weakest member of the weakest clan. And what did he go on to do? And that's who we all can be with God. I love this! I mean, it's so encouraging to know that men can be men in a world that emasculates men. We see it on TV all the time. What are, what are men represented like as husbands? Bunch of doofuses. Don't take a stand on anything. They're totally beat down and beat to death by their wives. I mean, it's a joke. And, and, and this is what we have, this is what a lot of our kids are watching. This is the norm, the new normal. Well, I've got a clip that I think will get the juices going here for you a little bit. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. This is where they die. And these shield boys. Remember this day, man. For it will be yours. For all time. Spartans! 
and your weapons. going a little bit, man. I mean, are, are, is there a little testosterone in the room? Are we kind of wired like this a little bit? And I, I think if we can make that transition from what we see up there to realizing we're in a spiritual battle. Satan wants our souls. He wants the souls of our kids. He wants the souls of our neighbors. There's a battle. And we need to engage. It's awesome to know that we have been given this opportunity. God has given us this opportunity. We can make a difference. And I love looking at this stuff in the Bible. It's just, again, the, the roll call of the faithful, knowing that these were spiritual men who had issues. They didn't have it all dialed in. They weren't perfect. They weren't these, you know, Navy SEAL guys that had all this wonderful training and physical this, that, and the other, and the diet and all the other stuff. They were just men like you and me. Men, when you make the right choices, when you make the right decisions, if you make the decision to become second, you can make a difference. 
This fires me up. This is how we're wired. I love this. I mean, isn't it what we want to be? Don't we want to be strong, powerful men? Men that are able to leave a legacy. What are we going to leave for our kids? What are we going to leave for the next generation? Really thinking through this. Family is a transition. I mean, isn't this something worth protecting? You know, what would you do if someone broke into your home and your wife or your kids were in a position where they were being threatened? You think you'd engage? I mean, all I know is whatever just happens, it happens on my property in front of my house. The body's being dragged back in. I know that much. Where's Paul? No. <laughs> you got to be careful, will you? <laughs> just thinking out loud, Paul. I'm not, I'm not planning anything here. But, you know, I mean, don't you want to have a family that glorifies God? Well, what that's going to take is the understanding and, again, being surrendered to I am second. Genesis 7, verse 1. It's a blow-away passage. I love the implications of this and the fact that we've got the movie coming out here in a couple months. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. You know, we talk about it all the time, you know, the, the whole situation, wanting to hear a well-done, good, and faithful servant. Wouldn't this be kind of cool to hear? I found you righteous in this generation. That is so awesome. And we are able to be, have the, be on the receiving end of this. This is something that is, it belongs to us. It's something we can take if we make the right choices. Noah was righteous. What were the implications for his family? And I think this is an area where the waters in America have been muddied. Men don't really know how to be men in its proper context. We should know that. We have the ability to embrace that. We have the ability to be real men that society knows absolutely nothing about. I mean, isn't this what you want to hear? Go! Go into heaven! You and your whole family! Why? Because you walk with God. That's why Noah was able to usher his whole family into the ark. He walked with God. And really understanding this, are we putting God first and stepping into that role of being second? Are you putting your wife first? Are you putting your kids first? You know, what kind of behavior do you model? We know at this point in time in Noah's life, it was the right behavior. He was found righteous by God. He was given this task of building this enormous boat in the middle of nowhere where there shouldn't have been one. You know, talk about being second. God said, build an ark. Amen. What the heck is that? God gives him direction. He builds it. He was able to deliver his whole family through that. And, it, and that, that's a foreshadowing of the covenant we have with God today. I mean, you know, it's amazing how the rainbow has been distorted. I mean, from a biblical perspective, it was all about the covenant that we have with God. Because of Noah, the Noahic covenant there, in, in light of him being surrendered to God, being second to God, and the glory that came through that. Where are you today in reference to the day you were baptized? Those same waters that delivered Noah had the ability to deliver you from sin and darkness to light and God. Because you were willing to surrender and make God first in your life. You know, when it comes to serving the poor and the needy, 
Jeremiah 22, verse 16. This is an area that we need to be second to God on, really understand the significance he puts on this. He defended the cause of the poor and the needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? So what is this passage telling us? Knowledge of God is what? Acknowledgement of needs of others. And being willing to engage on that level. And it's been incredible to see where we've come with this. But we're not all engaged on that level. We're not all there. And really understanding that this is a salvation issue. But I think even beyond that, again, what are we modeling for our neighbors? What are we modeling in our neighborhoods? What are we modeling for our kids? You know, the thing that really encourages me about this is we've had two couples come to the faith last year because of our Champions for the Poor. And that's awesome. And you know why? If we had more participation in there, we'd see more baptisms. But the reason behind it is, in each and every man, there is in the DNA this need, this want, to do something greater than just whatever it is about ourselves. To make a difference. I mean, you go, you Google, meet the needs. You Google any of those things that have to do with the poor, the needy, blood drives, food drives, any of that stuff. It's all over the Internet. I mean, there are websites that are set up specifically for people to volunteer because they don't know where to go. And this is a calling that we have. And it's a calling that makes a difference if we're willing to be second in our walk with God. We need more progress in this this year. You know, Matthew uh, chapter 8 talked about it earlier. Jesus coming down off the mountain. I mean, it was amazing what what he attended to after preaching. It was all about healing, raising the dead, taking care of the needy. In Matthew 25, it's pretty clear on our need as men to engage on this level. Not just our wives, not just the women in our lives, but as men, we need to take the lead in this area. Matthew 25, Jesus spells it on out. We need to do what he calls us to in this area as far as meeting the needs of those around us, the poor. And again, you can have those that are spiritually impoverished. It could lead to hell. It's so encouraging to know that because of this outreach this past year, we had two families were pulled out of that. And, you know, I really want to commend Chip and Maureen and Calvin and Mark Sijimoto and these guys that have been doing this stuff before it really was on the radar the way that it needed to be and that level of involvement. And seeing our kids, kids by and large, have it's where we live, sign of the times, and all that leads into is entitlement and expectations. But, you know, when they see how bad other people have it, how challenging others have it, it can be the hardest heart in the world. It'll make a difference. There's an acknowledgement. And it may only be for that brief moment they're doing it, but you know what? That's a chip off the scales that have got that thing encrusted. And some of us have older kids that, you know, this God thing, they're just not having it. My daughter's still on her journey. But it's amazing how this stuff has an impact on her. She's going with us on a medical brigade down to Honduras this year. I guarantee you, she will come back a changed woman. I mean, there isn't anybody that serves in that capacity where God doesn't work through it and have an impact. Loving the lost. Luke 19, verse 9. Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. You know, we uh, think back to the uh, Iron Man that we had at the beginning of the year. You know, it's kind of a, one of those events where you got to get out there, you know, a little testosterone, a little grunting, groaning, making noise, having a good time, hooting, hollering, uh, 
you know, striving for that first place position. And, you know, in some ways, guys, I feel like that's an opportunity that has been wasted at large by this group. I mean, we all have a good time, right? How many, how many of us actually have someone there? And I, I'm not going to go back to old school accountability. You know, it is what it is. If you don't see the need or see the ability or the impact that this can have, amen. And, you know, maybe we need to, maybe we need to figure something else out because obviously the champions for the four have had that kind of impact. I don't think there was a man converted off of it last year. There were very few men that came out that were non-Christians. Now, we've got, where's Chris at? I mean, he one of the first events you came out to, right? You know, it, and it makes a difference. It's something that men are about. Men aren't about church. There's a book called Why Men Hate Church. You can, you can think of the reasons. Most of us were there. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, the whole love, love, Jesus, you know, the whatever that the world kind of represents them as. Those aspects of church had no appeal to me. But we can't lose the opportunities that God gives us with the talents and the abilities we have and the avenues where we can use this outreach to make a difference in our local communities. Men love the outdoors. There's that sense of accomplishment, completing a goal. And this is what we see with Zacchaeus in this situation. Where was he? Outside. Here's about this Messiah guy. You know, and he's a little shorty, so what's he do? He climbs up a tree to see what's going on. What does Jesus say? And this is what we need to imitate. He says to Zacchaeus, Come down out of that tree, and you're going to take me to your house, and we're going to sit down, and you're going to make me a meal. we got some talking to do. We can't imitate that? You know, we got this, this event coming on where men can be men. You're coming with me. I'm picking you up. 9 o'clock, Saturday morning, whenever the heck it is, whatever it is that we do. Right. But I think as men, we need to take the lead in this. The women have been spanking us on this every year. They got their little foo-foo Women's Day event. You know what? But women are being converted through it. Right. Oh, is this being recorded? <laughs> Who the heck did that? <laughs> Nobody said anything to me. You need to erase it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Thinking that through, though, are we doing the job that we need to do, loving the lost? I mean, there were a lot of great things that took place last year. Evangelism wasn't one of them. We just got to keep it real here, guys. You know it. I know it. We can see the results of it. And I'm not negating those that have come to the Lord, but you know what? This group of guys, seriously. I mean, what took place last year, is that all we could do? It is when we're not putting God first, and we aren't surrendered to being second. We need to really assess that this year. Discipleship. 1 Peter 1.22 says, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. You know, if we're second before God, we will have effective discipleship. You know, we've seen where it was, where it was at with the combination of the two groups going back four years ago or however long ago that was. It wasn't functioning. There wasn't a whole lot of one another going on. The relationships were shallow at best. And I think that's really improved a lot, but you know what? We can take that to a whole other level. We'll see it in this group with the men that are participating. I, I know it's awesome. We're probably at about 70% of this. Well, you know, let me, let's, let's just take a look at it. How many of you are serving the church in some capacity? Kids, kingdom, ushering, whatever. Stand up. Is 
a large percentage of the group. And that's encouraging. There may be reasons for other areas where maybe that hasn't been able to take place, or maybe you have and you've taken a break, whatever. But you know what? Well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We need to one another each other. I mean, you know, discipleship, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's not a discipleship's not a biblical term, but one another is. I sent you guys a CCB this morning that's got 38 of them on there. And it, it covers so many different aspects of our life. I would not have a good relationship with my son today if it wasn't for guys like Marco, Andy, Calvin, Andre. I mean, the list goes on and on. David, all these guys that I get together with for breakfast from time to time. And, and here's the other, the flip side of that coin, though. You've got to be willing to be open about what's going on in your life for people to have an effect in your life. I think some of us maybe need to take vulnerability, humility to the next level moving forward relationally so we can get the kind of help and direction and guidance we need. may not need it daily, but there are those instances, guys. I know I'm not unique in this where I get a little confused or I may not be handling things properly or I'm too close to the situation to see what's really going on and I can have somebody step in with a fresh set of eyes to help point me back in the right direction. Uh, serving God's church, Ephesians 6, verse 7. It says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. You know, again, this is an area that we've made progress in, but if we're going to be a slacker-friendly church, we haven't even tagged yet, meeting needs as people hit us, this group. I mean, we need greeters in the parking lot. We need help with our signage. There's all kinds of things. There's things that some of you guys know and have the talent and ability to do that haven't even been brought up yet that will make what we have so much more attractive to men the first time that they come out. You know, when it comes to those needs, sometimes that list can get a little lengthy, but if we're truly surrendered to God, we will truly do everything we can to serve Him and to glorify Him. You know, what does this passage say again? Serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. I don't know about you, I, I can always use more rewards in my life. You guys? Especially if it's coming from the God that we saw that created all this stuff. And that's what God calls us to do. In Ephesians 4, verse 11, did I get ahead of myself here? I did. Ephesians 4, verse 11, says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to they sound like the truth. Verse 15, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, what's the secret to a church that we can be proud of that glorifies God? It's right here in this passage. You know, one... You've got me as an evangelist, as a conduit to help equip you. As God's people, what is your role? As God's men in God's kingdom, what is your role? So if you're second to God and you are second 
when it comes to that perspective on who God is, what God's created, what God calls us to, this passage talks about it. It says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do we want a healthy church? Do we want a church that's growing? Do we want a church that's full of love? What are the parts? Each one of you is a part. And this is the thing that's going to enable us to glorify God and be the church that all of us will be proud of being able to hand off someday to our sons and daughters moving forward. You know, verse 16 is real clear. Each of us has a special role. And as we sit here today, we've got to ask ourselves, are we fulfilling that role? Or are we more world-focused than we are kingdom-focused? It's got to be awesome in the work. If you miss about working a secular, I have a problem with you guys. But when it comes to non-Christians, there's not a lot of that contact. And I love the fact that every job I've been in, someone has become a Christian. And it's not what I do. We saw in Micah at the beginning of this passage here. Afternoon. You know, I, I think guys like Eric Manji, where did you, Eric, you know, Brian Adams, guys have been doing chemical recovery. Again, unsung here, they have that need, doing a phenomenal job. Our sound team, our worship team, all in here. Where did Jake go? Has done such a phenomenal job with what we've got going on at Miracosta on Sundays. We rattle around in that place. We shouldn't, and I know we won't at some point. But he does a great job of directing people, getting the guys there in the morning, having a prayer time, being organized, and then trying to figure out whatever else it is that needs to be done. He does it. He's the only guy I know that sweats as much as I do. <laughs> really thinking this through, guys, are we surrendered to 2014 being willing to step into a role where I am second? You are second. Do you want to be second? Seriously, do you guys want to be second? Let's hear something like what we heard on the screen there earlier. You guys want to be second? Come on! We can make that difference in our communities, in our homes, everywhere we go. If we're willing to be surrendered to Christ, this will be a church you all will be proud of, you all will be excited about, and your kids will be knocking down the door to come into God's kingdom. Amen? God bless. Lunch time.